I'm Kyle Northcutt. Welcome to the Kids Learn Career Show. Each week, I ask a different person about their job so you can know what your options are around the world. My guest today is Jan Harrison, a school leader. Jan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Kyle. Thanks for being here. Okay, first off, can you tell me what a school leader is and what it's like to be one? Uh, I can tell you what my experience is. I think mm -hmm. uh, it depends on where you're a school leader, what that job is like. So for example, I'm a charter school leader and that's mm -hmm. a little bit different than being a private school leader or for example, being a public school leader. Mm -hmm. So when people think of school principals, um, I think largely, probably most people think about these kind of the bosses that are in the office and none of the kids really know them. And they just are these mysterious people who kind of come on the loudspeaker sometimes. But in my mm -hmm. business, um, since I'm a charter school leader and we're a small school of only about 170 kids, mm -hmm. I know all the students and mm -hmm. I love and value my relationship with all of my staff members. And I mm -hmm. work very closely with all of the people in my building. So it's different than being a school leader at a big high school or middle school mm -hmm. or even elementary school for that matter. But, um, but also I, I think the other difference for uh, between a, a public school leader in a district versus a public school leader as a charter school leader is that I'm running a small business, right? So principals of district schools have a whole district um, network behind them. So they don't have to worry about their buildings and they don't have to worry about a lot of things that I have to worry about. I have to make all the decisions and I have to make all the right financial considerations for my, for my school. But that's not true of, of principals for public schools that are part of districts. So it, it, I feel like for me, being a school leader is both being a an educational leader and a business owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely very different from other types of schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what kinds of things do you actually do day to day at work? Well, it really depends on the day, which is one of the reasons I like my job is because I have a, a really, I don't have the same day, day after day, you know, things mm -hmm. change. And the reason things change is because I work with people mm -hmm. and people are not the same day today, right? They have different mm -hmm. needs. They have different issues that come up. Um, so I even might have things on my schedule, like to go observe a classroom or to um, get some get like write a grant or something like that. And then that changes because somebody needs me, right? So I'm, I'm really there to serve my students and my staff. And mm -hmm. so that means that day to day, it looks really different, but it could include things like, um, you know, responding to emails from different colleagues or the district or parents or students. It could involve uh, going and observing classes to just see what's going on in the classrooms and be able to coach my teachers to continue their efforts to continue to get better. Mm -hmm. um, and it could include um, talking to a student who's upset. <laughs> Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> Flynn, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. 
And actually Flynn is another thing. She, um, she comes to school with me every day. She's our school dog. And so she, she's funny because she just as as an aside, this barking thing. So when strangers come to the school, she barks at the front door. Mm -hmm. And that is really interesting because she knows all the kids, right? She never barks at the kids. She only barks like the delivery guys or (laughs) so anyway, um, but yeah, so it could mean like, you know, we're, we're trying to help a kid who's upset about something or a kid who's made a mistake and needs to kind of understand the impact of what just happened, or it could mean, um, something I could, I work on things that are much more forward thinking. So strategic planning, grant writing, um, you know, helping, helping my staff with different things running. I I work on budgets. I, I have, I have a, a financial officer who really helps with the budget, but I also have opportunity. I also have responsibilities about the budget. Mm. So my job is very, very, um, very different every day Mm -hmm. and often interesting and surprising. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. It's pretty um, challenging too. mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did you first know you wanted to do this kind of work and start Compass? Uh, Well, I was a teacher for seven years at a district public school. And and then I was a dean of students at that same school for four more years. And then I worked at the district level um, to help different high schools with trying to help them solve problems uh, regarding specific kids that were not thriving at their schools. And I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know, well, let me put it this way. I had other jobs before I became a teacher. I didn't become a teacher until I was 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And I got to be a teacher because I, my, I was working as a volunteer in my own children's classrooms at their elementary school. And I was so impressed with those teachers. And I was so just really taken. I, I just never had considered being a teacher before, but mm-hmm. suddenly it, it became very clear to me that being a teacher, cause I got master's degrees in science and I know you'll talk about this a little bit later, but mm-hmm. my training is in science largely. And I wanted to be Uh, work in something related to science. And when I saw my kids' teachers working the magic they were working with all these kids, I thought, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. What if I could be a science teacher? So Mm -hmm. I could actually kind of combine my love of science and being with kids and making a difference in the world. And so that's how I decided to become a science teacher. And so then once I was a science teacher, I thought to myself that really I, what I want to do is help all kids be really successful in school and feel excited about school. And so I worked really hard to innovate in my classroom and in my department. And I just kept seeing that there were a lot of kids that weren't being served very well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the fault of the teachers. It was really, I thought the the problem of the system, right? It's just, it has a very, it has so many limitations on it. And, and I will say too, a lot of those limitations are related to money and the fact Mm -hmm. that education is funded so poorly 
in this country and in particular in this state. Mm -hmm. And so really what schools have to do is be as efficient as possible in taking as many kids as possible from, you know, pre-K or kindergarten through graduation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I believe that kids deserve more than that. I don't think we should be all about efficiency. I think we should be about service and really taking care of each particular kid and their needs and what's best for them and helping them get through um, a certain level of education to help them be productive members of our society. And mm -hmm. the system just doesn't really, uh, doesn't really have room for that. And mm -hmm. so I kept feeling like, no matter what I did as a teacher, um, you know, I could do, I could do what I could do, but that impacted just my students and it didn't impact mm -hmm. more students. And so I decided to get my principal's license so that I could run a school so that I could impact more students. Mm -hmm. And then that was very, um, it, it was very complicated. And I, I was going to take really a long time to become a principal in a district and then I would still be faced with all the constraints that a district is faced with. And I didn't mm -hmm. really want that. So that's how I start, ended up deciding to start a charter school. Mm -hmm. And to be telling you the truth, I didn't really even know what a charter school was <laughs> when I started, when I started this school. Um, now, by the time I started the school, actually I did know what a charter school was, but when I started working on it, I really didn't even know what it was. I didn't know the difference between a charter school and a district public school. Mm -hmm. So I've learned a whole lot along the way. Yeah. So you just talked about this, but can you tell us a bit about um, what other careers you did before yeah. you started Compass? Yeah. Um, so I got... Um, I got two master's degrees at University of Wisconsin-Madison, mm -hmm. one in agronomy, which is crop science, and one in water resources management. And I worked for Dane County, which is the county that Madison is in. Um, I worked for them uh, as a watershed, a priority watershed improvement coordinator. Mm -hmm. So I was working on water issues, water quality issues related to the city itself. So it wasn't so much about the farms around Madison, but what are, what is the city of Madison itself doing to protect water quality? And that was really relevant and important, especially for people who live in Madison, because Madison is right in between two big lakes. And those lakes were getting impacted a lot by um, city pollution. So I worked for the for the county for a number of years. And then when we moved to Colorado, mm -hmm. I started a business um, that worked on erosion control. And I did that for a number of years. But while I was doing that is when I started going to volunteer at my kids' schools. And so then I decided I was gonna become a teacher. So I went back to school to CSU and I got a master's of educational leadership. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, when I started my teaching career. Oh, wow. So what do you like most and least about being the principal at Compass? Um, the thing I like most is working with my staff and my students and really seeing the difference that it makes in kids' lives to have a school like Compass. Mm 
-hmm. I think we're making a big difference. Uh, I see that we're making a big difference. I hear from students and families that our school is offering something really special. And so that feels really, mm -hmm. really gratifying because it was really hard to start this school. And so I'm really grateful that it's impacting families the way we wanted it to. Mm -hmm. What I like least about it is that I have to work a whole lot of hours. I work a lot and that makes it pretty hard for me to, you know, have a very balanced life. Um, and I also think the other thing I like least probably is uh, just some of the paperwork that I have to do to, to stay in business, really. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just some kind of day-to-day -day paperwork that I need to, I need to manage that isn't very fun. <laughs> <laughs> now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Kids Green Team, a business startup kit I created with my friend Micah. Here's the problem we learned about that we couldn't ignore. Your city doesn't recycle plastic grocery bags, shipping air pillows, bubble wrap, and other plastic like that. Whether you throw them in the trash yourself or put them in your curbside recycling bin, they're headed for a landfill, or worse, the ocean. But that's where my friend Micah and I come in. We've built an entire course to teach kids like us how to turn this unnecessary waste into a successful business, profitable from month number one. Check it out at kidsgreenteam.com. Let's do some good together. Okay, now back to the show. What level of education do you have? Was that required for your job or not? So, yeah, I have three master's degrees, as I mentioned earlier. I have one in agronomy, mm -hmm. one in water resources management, and one in educational leadership. Nobody needs to have three master's degrees. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of silly that I have three master's degrees. Um, I, I think uh, what it, it requires to be a principal is <clears throat> you have to have I, I mean, I think, I think the district level is you have to have three years of teaching experience. I think you should have five or more just because being a classroom teacher is a really unique job. And if you're going to be the leader of classroom teachers, you should know what that job is. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, my, that's my strong belief. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so I, so you have to have been a teacher and in order to be a teacher, you only, you don't have to have a master's degree. You have to have an undergraduate degree, but, um, but I think, I think it's great when teachers have master's degrees in their subject area, in their field. And, um, and then for another requirement for a principal is to have a principal's license. So mm -hmm. there's a whole training program at CSU that, um, allows people to get their principal's license. And that's where I got mine as well. Mm, cool. So what were some of the biggest challenges you faced leading up to launching the school? And did you ever think about giving up? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And there were a lot of challenges, so many. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but let me start by answering, did I ever think about giving up? And the answer is no, mm -hmm. <laughs> I never did. Yeah. It never felt like an option ever. And I, and I, I honestly am really glad I didn't know when I started, I am so glad I didn't know how hard it was going to be. 
because I think if I had known how hard it was going to be, I would have given up before I even started. Mm-hmm. And, but once I started, there was going to be no stopping. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, um, that's that, but the challenges I would say that, um, are kind of easy to, to wrap your head around are for one thing, in order to get a charter, uh, which is basically to get a contract to start a public school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to prove to the district, to Poudre School District, that we had enough families that were interested in our model. We had to have a clear description, which was really like a 500 page paper um, about how we were going to run our school. We had mm-hmm. to have, um, we had to have enough we had to have families signed up to come to our school, even though we weren't open yet, which is really mm-hmm. hard to get families to be like, oh yeah, I want to send my kid to that school. We'll sign up, but there's no guarantee that we're actually going to open. So it's kind of a risk for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that was really, really challenging was getting a building because mm-hmm. we had very specific needs for the building. So we wanted to be right on the max line. Mm-hmm. You know, the max bus is that big bus that runs every it used to run every 10 minutes right now it's running every 20 minutes but we wanted to be on that bus line because we want to be able a lot of our model is about getting out into the community so we needed to have kids be able to get out into the community and that was the way to do that was on the max um so we needed to be at a max really close to a max station where the kids and the teachers could get on the bus and families from all neighborhoods could come to our school without having to drive cars. Ideally, mm-hmm. it was also going to be near a um, bike path, which mm-hmm. would allow kids to get to us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we so to find that building that was big enough that we could afford that the landlord would be willing to rent to us that was on a max station that would be available um, starting in like January of 2018 at, that we could open in August of 2018, the chances of that happening were like one in a gazillion. I mean, mm-hmm. really unlikely to be able to find that scenario. <laughs> and then we did, and we did find it because we had good connections in the community. And, mm-hmm. uh, but then we needed a million and a half dollars to mm-hmm. renovate the building. And we didn't have, we didn't have a dime. So to find, to get the, and then we, what we ended up doing was getting a gift, a gift of a million dollars. Amazing. I mean, that was just a miracle. And then we also got, and then we got a loan for another half a million dollars so that we could renovate the building. So all of that was very unlikely and very difficult and required a lot of faith and a lot of just, we're going to keep going. It's got to work. It's got to work. We've got to keep going. And then the other thing is just to have really good connections in the community, right? We call that social capital. Mm -hmm. So we know a lot of people, people know us, they trust us. We have a good, um, people know that, that we're honest and hardworking people and that we have a dream that they believe in. So that's what pulled it all together. But was was really 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 hard mm-hmm. yeah yeah so what makes compass unique 
Oh, so many things. Um, I think our, our location, our staff, we have an incredible staff. My teachers are just amazing. They're just some of the best in the, in the world. Um, they care so much about kids. They know so much about their subject area. Um, they're really creative and kind and interesting and great learners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our model, which really focuses on community engagement and doing work that really matters and letting mm-hmm. kids have choice about how they're going to demonstrate their learning and what it just making, making learning relevant, you know, project-based learning is kind of one way that people identify us, but I think it's much more than project-based learning. It's problem solving learning and Mm -hmm. it's problem solving with partners in our community that really love to work with kids and are always surprised. I mean, it's so interesting, Kyle, because I can't tell you how many times community partners have been just really blown away by how curious and engaged and insightful our students are Mm -hmm. and and I don't think it's really about our students in particular I think it's about the way that we teach students to think and then it's about just all kids right being really curious and insightful and I think most people don't know how curious and insightful kids are because most schools just keep kids in their schools Right. They don't go out into the community. They don't work with community partners. They just stay in school. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really different about us is our kids don't just stay in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, so based on what you've learned so far, what do you think are the most important things for kids to learn before they graduate high school? Um, I think the most important things for kids to learn before they graduate from high school are self-management skills. Mm -hmm. So that includes how to think about how to solve a problem, how to attack a complex task, how to get along with other people, how to Mm -hmm. coach themselves, um, how to look for mentors to help them find some expertise to work with. Um, You know, And then I think the other thing was just really having some confidence in themselves as learners, because everybody has to learn their whole lives and more and more that's true, right? I mean, it's not like you can go get a job as a a person in a factory anymore where you just do Mm -hmm. the same thing over and over again. No, I don't know why you would want to do that anyway, but even if you wanted to do that, that job doesn't exist anymore. Kids have to be trained to be lifelong learners. And it's not about having somebody teach you. It's about learning how to learn yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think that is really, that's really the key. And I can see that you have that quality because you are already seeking out ways to learn and, and seeking out ways to express what you're learning and to make an impact on the world. And that's exactly the kind of thing we want kids at Compass to, to be able to do. Yeah. So how much money would something, someone starting out maybe making a, or starting a charter school expect to make and what's the long-term income potential? 
so basically kind of going back to in order to be the, a principal at a school, you have to be a teacher first. And mm -hmm. teachers, I know at the in Poudre School District, so in Northern Colorado, the starting salary for teachers with a bachelor's degree is $45,000 a year. Mm -hmm. If you live in Vermont, your starting salary is going to be higher than that. So it really depends on where, which state you live on in. And, uh, and in fact, most states you would earn more than you would earn as a, as a teacher in Colorado, Wyoming, right up the road, you earn more mm -hmm. as a teacher than you do in Colorado. So it really depends. And then, and then as you go up, you know, as you learn to be a principal and if you can get a principal's job, um, you know, it's, it really it really depends on where you are and how big your school is and what kind of school you have. But point of being a teacher is not to get rich. Mm -hmm. um, the, yeah. the good thing about being uh, a teacher and having maybe a lower salary than you might in another profession is that you also get a pension. So mm -hmm. when I retire, um, I will be getting paid from the state for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. And so that's a really different thing than being in a business, uh, in an independent business, is that you don't get pensions, you have an, a contribution, you can have an opportunity to put money away into a, an IRA or some other account for your retirement, but there's no guarantee that you're going to get retirement money. But mm -hmm. as a public school teacher, as a public school teacher, including charter schools, because we are public schools, um, we do get pension. Uh, we do contribute to pensions and they get paid a pension. So that makes a big difference in our long-term value of this job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how much free time do you have? Like do you work a traditional 40 hour work week more or less? I don't have much free time and I work probably mm -hmm. 60 hours a week mm. yeah. yeah I work a lot <laughs> yeah so yeah. what advice do you have for young people considering what you do for the job uh I my advice is that you you consider both what things you're good at because I think people are naturally good at some things and naturally not that good at some things, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then you, so you think about that, like, what are my aptitudes as a person and what, what fills me with, um, kind of satisfaction? Like, what do I think is important? And so, for example, mm -hmm. what I think is important, I think education is really important. I think it's really important to our democracy I think it's important to our economy. I think it's important to the well-being of our population. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just tragic when people aren't don't know anything about history or about science or about mm -hmm. how to communicate well. Uh, it makes them much less effective and and much less able to contribute to their community. So I think mm -hmm. education is super important, and I've been blessed with. And the opportunity to get a lot of education and then to have a job in which I continue to learn all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of, 
you know, how, how important is creativity? So being a teacher is a really creative profession. You get to create all the time and you have to be responding to each kid and their needs all the time. And so it's a really, it's never boring, right? Never, ever is boring. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it just really depends on what fills you up. You know, what fills me up is learning, helping other people learn and, um, and working for kids. And I think that's mm -hmm. just really, that to me is what's important. So I think finding out to other people, you know, for everyone to find out like what is really most important to you, uh, mm -hmm. what do you care about? And then, and then to know that that's going to change over time. Right. I mean, you're mm -hmm. not going to have the same career your whole life. So yeah. the other advice I have for people is always have mentors, find people mm -hmm. who can, you trust who are older than you, more experienced than you, who care about you and want to help guide you and ask mm -hmm. good questions of you. And then be open-minded, right? Be looking around, like what's going on in the world? How is it changing? What do I see as important? How am I changing? And what mm -hmm. do I want to do that will contribute further to this world? And be willing to change those things because yeah. time goes on, you got to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this one is borrowed from Tim Ferriss, the best-selling author and one of the top podcasters in the world. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments Tim you've ever made? Uh, I think the most worthwhile investment I ever made was two, really. One is in mm -hmm. my children. Um, I have two kids and they're adults now, but I took parenting very seriously. Like I really, I really care about my kids and I worked really hard to be a, a great mom to them. Mm -hmm. um, so that investment of time and energy was huge. And then also starting Compass, definitely mm -hmm. huge investment of time and effort and risk and it's really worth it. Yeah. So is there a time in your life where you felt like you completely failed at something, but it ended up helping later on in life? Uh, I failed a lot in my life. Um, and this question, yeah, I believe, I really believe that always failures help, right? They, I learn mm -hmm. from them. Um, it helps me question what I'm doing. Uh, like, is this really what I should be doing? Or is, is, is this really the, what I am best at, what I'm best cut out to do? Uh, and how important is it? So sometimes when I fail, I have to go back and learn more and then try again. And other mm -hmm. times when I failed, I thought, you know, it's the reason I'm failing at this is because I don't really want it, or I'm not really, I'm not really very, this isn't really the right job for me, or this isn't really the right thing for me. So I just mm -hmm. try to pay attention to failure as an opportunity to learn and question what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is there a person in your life, like a parent, grandparent, teacher, coach, or mentor that made a huge impact on you? If so, in what way? And would you like to give them a quick shout out? Oh, yeah. Um, I, like I said, I think the importance of mentors is really big. I love, mm -hmm. I've always had mentors in my life. Um, my first mentor was my English teacher in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, his name was Alan Bennett. And unfortunately, he died a few years ago, but he made a big impact on me. 
Uh, and then there's another person I met when I was in college who became a mentor to me for still to this day. Mm. Um, his name is Sam Cohen. Mm-hmm. And another person who I have learned so much from is named um, Helda Mange. And she was a colleague when I was working at a small farm in Massachusetts uh, when mm-hmm. I was like 19. Mm-hmm. She made a big difference and continues to make a big difference in my life. So, mm-hmm. you know, finding those mentors and then holding on to them. You know, like yeah. these people, Sam and Hilda have been my mentors since I was 19. And I'm a lot older yeah. than that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, and, and I still really love them and, and reach out to them and they, they provide a, a real source of inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently growing up? I don't really believe in regrets. I think everybody has their path and we learn along the way. Um, you know, I think in everything, I, all, the, all the ways in which I strayed when I was young have taught me a lot of things and given me a lot of empathy for people <clears throat> and kids. So no, I don't think I would have done anything differently. Mm. Uh, it's been an interesting journey, you know. Yeah, it really has. So what's the best advice you have for young people who want to be successful in life and in their work? Mm. Work hard. Mm-hmm. Work hard. <laughs> uh, there's no easy path, right? If mm-hmm. you think that there, you can find an easy way to live, that's just not a thing. There's yeah. no easy way to live. It's Life is challenging and either you choose your challenges and you work hard at them or they will choose you. Mm-hmm. And um, so working hard and making good relationships with mentors and teachers and parents and adults is really uh, a powerful way to get mm-hmm. help moving forward. So I would mm-hmm. say that's, that's kind of the bottom line. Pay attention to what you care about, make, have good relationships, manage your emotions, manage your self-talk, right? Because mm-hmm. when, when our self-talk is negative, it's hard to, it's hard to be happy. Yeah. When our self-talk is positive, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Jan. Now it's time for the joke of the day. Why are obtuse triangles always frustrated? I have no idea. Because they're never right. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks for sharing thanks. that. Kyle. So thanks, thanks for having me on. It's really great. And um, I really appreciate the offer to have this opportunity to share. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us on the Kids Learn Career Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and tell your friends. See you next time.